Welcome to the Pandora Podcast, where fellowship-trained pain specialists Dr. Melissa Cady and Dr. Kevin Cucaro reveal the secrets of pain care, including harmful practices, healthy tips, and the hope found through the science of pain. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. Please discuss your medical issues with your personal health professional. For more information and free resources, visit Pandora.com. Now on to the show. Hey folks, welcome to the Pandora Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kevin, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Katie, uh, Dr. Melissa Katie, the Challenge Doctor. And for today's episode, we're going to be talking about really um, myths and misconceptions about uh, the science of pain or pain science. And um, specifically, we're going to be talking about an article, a classic article, quite often to uh, referred, at least in the the pain science community, by by the our. our, But I I, I don't know how to. I don't want to use the word guru because I don't want to insult anybody with that because I know we get used too much. But really, some experts. How about the godfathers (laughs) of modern pain science? Godfathers (laughs) of pain science. And that would be uh, Drs. Lorimer Mosley and David Butler, fantastic people are doing amazing work. And they published a paper <laughs> five years ago now um, called 15 Years of Explaining Pain, the Past, the Present, and the Future. And in this particular uh, article, which is, which is, I think everybody who has an interest in pain should read, which means that if you're in healthcare, you should probably read this. Um, they're, they're really reconceptualizing pain care going back and, and talking about the misconceptions that have been going since at least the 60s, really since the initial publication of gate control in 1965, and how that stuff was misconceived and how that has altered the care path of how we treat pain. And um, they've been involved in pain at neuroscience education for decades now. Uh, quite a difficult process, which I, I take heart in knowing how difficult it has been for, for Miss, for us. I know for you, Dr. Katie, it's been, it's been difficult as well. Um, but they went through some really difficult times when you're trying to bring about this new paradigm shift when it's like, how do we align clinical practice with what pain neuroscience shows? And in that, just like any time that you're bringing about a new idea, there's, there's a miscommunication that occurs. And in this is when it talk, people are talking about explaining pain, what tends to occur is people think um, that, that pain science somehow is a therapy or that we can like poke them with the pain science in some way, <laughs> like you're applying the pain science. And, and pain science isn't a technique per se. Instead, what it is, is it's, a, it's an understanding. It's a structural framework. It's a way that you can deliver care through, but it's not a technique. Um, again, you can't poke anybody with pain science. So I think, right. Dr. Katie, what we were going to do yeah. Just kind of go over shortly the myths and misconceptions that they that they had identified early on between what pain science and education around pain science is, and what people tend to believe and what the facts are. Yes, and and I do believe it's an, an informed informed perspective is you know a lot of this understanding of pain science, and I'm going to share with the audience a um, table that's taken from that um, that article, and let us look at the. Uh, let's see if we can pull that up. Ta-da. Can you see that? You are a technological de- genius. Look at that. Oh, look at that. So there's a list on the left side of misconceptions. And then what Laura Mosley and David Butler intended, the more accurate conceptions are on the right. So we are going to go through each of these uh, one by one and maybe have a little commentary off of them. But 
one of the misconceptions is an EP stands for Explain Pain, which is one of their great books. They have uh, Explain Pain Supercharge, which is really great too. And we don't make any money off of saying that, uh, but it is a good resource. Uh, but explain- We should though. We should make money off of saying <laughs> that's, that. That's right. <laughs> uh, but the first misconception is that Explain Pain is teaching people how to manage their pain similar to, for example, coping skills training, relaxation training, goal setting, or problem solving skills. The more accurate conception is that explain pain is teaching people about the biological processes underpinning pain. It does not include instructions on strategies or skills with which to reduce the impact of pain in one's life. And explain pain draws on instructional design and multimedia principles to present pain biology information. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, well, obviously, I completely agree with this, but um, but I th I think that is a persistent misconception, mainly on the way that we are focused. Like again, um, people think that you fix pain rather than facilitate change. And again, when it comes to like pain science or pain neuroscience education or explain pain pain education, um, delivering education is not about talking, and it's not saying you're replacing a care model with or is it replacing one technique or tool with another one instead what 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 education does is it does two things one for the clinician it informs how you deliver care so it's like understanding germ theory when you are treating an infectious disease from a patient perspective providing you information educating you about pain is not delivering an antibiotic but is teaching about hand washing skills healthy hygiene how all of this stuff works so that in a ideal scenario you can then take that knowledge and, and apply it uh, through self-engagement or self-strategies again if, if you know about infectious disease or germ theory aka that would be the the equivalent for pain education or pain science now you may need antibiotics depending on the scenario which you're going to get prescriptions from from your from your clinician but you can also wash your hands you can do uh, making sure your rest, you can do all those other things that's going to treat that infection in addition because you know the process that's involved. So let's just pin that into today and mark the obvious year with coronavirus. <laughs> it's like just assuming just because you're exposed to a virus that you will get infected. And we know that there are multiple elements of biology involved in order to actually get an infection or to be symptomatic and all of those things. So there's a biological <laughs> complexity. <laughs> that, what are you laughing about? Well, I, I, like what we should do is we should take this chart and we'll replace the coronavirus, right? Instead of, ex <laughs> in, instead of explaining pain, we're going to talk and explain coronavirus. <laughs> so like if we said the misconception would be explaining coronavirus is teaching people how to manage their the coronavirus, similar to, for example, coping skills training, relaxation training, goal setting, or problem solving skills, right? And explaining coronavirus does not treat coronavirus, you know? <laughs> Instead, explaining coronavirus is teaching people about the biological processes under, underpinning viral infections. Explaining coronavirus does not include instructions on strategies or skills with which to reduce the impact of viral infections on one's life. Explaining coronavirus draws on instructional design and multimedia principles to present coronavirus biology information. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! 
<laughs> exactly. And then there's, there's a, you know, you can even say there's a lot of fear involved with coronavirus and whatnot. Um, so people can get fearful about getting outside. Well, in this explanation, we're talking about explain pain. Some people get very fearful when they have pain to not move. So explain pain, this misconception here is explain Explain pain is advising people to move despite their pain, but actually explain pain more accurately is teaching people that pain can be overprotective. And that is a very different message. Because mm -hmm. uh, then people say, well, you're telling people to move because of the, uh, despite having pain. No. Well, then you're telling people to not move because they're pain. And the answer to that is no. What we're doing is we're telling people, how can you move understanding that your brain is overprotective? So what are the movements that you can do to help you feel comfortable, confident, and safe in your body again. That is, that's, it's a little bit more complex, but it's not that much more complex, but it's being able to take that educational framework and then be able to apply it effectively through a different modality. Again, we're not poking them with the pain science. We're using it when we're delivering care. Absolutely. I don't even have to say anything to that. That was on point. The third one of the misconceptions is that explain pain is advising people that pain messages are turned up and down at the spinal cord, but rather the more accurate conception is that explain pain is teaching people that danger messages are turned up and down at the spinal cord. I know you're going to love to hit this one because obviously, <laughs> obviously the messages are not pain down there. The pain is constructed in the brain and it's just danger messages or information that is received by the brain to create the experience of pain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you did beautifully on that. And, <laughs> and, and the, the only thing being is different words that people use instead of saying pain messages is anytime you hear people say pain receptors, pain fibers, pain pathways, pain tracks, they're, again, they're putting this one-to-one, -one, their misconception about, about what pain fundamentally is that it somehow is, is, is the pain pus traveling down, you know, getting stimulating pain receptors in the pain pus pathways or whatever. And um, that is definitely not what pain neuroscience is about. Right. Um, and it's, it's semantics to it, some people, but, but, it, but, but mess, but that's, it is not semantics. <laughs> Here we it, come. And, you know, and actually I, you're making, I'm like, right now it clicked. I'm like, I'm gonna have I to need to go look at the definition before some, I, I, I need to look up semantics <laughs> and I, I need to start deconstructing that word and making sure uh, the clarity behind it is because my understanding of semantics, it means it doesn't matter. And I bet that's not what semantic actually means. You want me to read you the, the definition? Yeah, tell me the definition. So um, the branch of linguistics and logic concerned with meaning which that's important there. There are a number of branches and sub-branches of semantics um, that include formal semantics, which studies the logical aspects of meaning, such as sense, reference, implication, and logical form, or lexical semantics, which studies word meanings and word relations. And then there's conceptual semantics, which studies the cognitive structure of meaning. But it all that's, comes down to meaning. That's wholly, totally relevant. Like it, yes, it, it does. It is it important. And you're like, absolutely. You're totally right. I cannot believe how on point you are with that because it is totally true. Because it mm -hmm. is crucial, the meaning that we deliver and the message that we provide with the words that we use. Absolutely, right. semantics are, it, it is all about semantics and semantics is critically important. Right. Be Genius person, you are totally right. It is all about <laughs> semantics. <laughs> well, the implication for those listening is that when we say about pain messages are turned up and down spinal cord or like Dr. Kevin said that 
you know, this pain receptors, that is assuming that pain has already been created at that level. But we know that's not the case. Pain is not constructed there. It's constructed up here. And so I think semantics is important because the meaning of what we're saying here, it's implying the wrong thing. Well, I said the more you understand pain, then you know that the semantics are critically important to yes. care. Yes. Amen. All right. Amen. So <laughs> number four is explain pain. This is a misconception is that describing, it's describing the pain gate control theory, which is 1965, correct 1965. me if I'm wrong. And um, the no, more accurate conception is that explain pain is teaching people that the brain can turn down the danger message at the spinal cord or central nervous system. I guess they're really kind of coexisting, unless you want to correct me on that. But I, I think that they're um, referring to is that gate control was really spinal cord centric in a lot of ways. They I mean, they mentioned sort of the brain um, uh, as influence, as a large influence on, on the central nervous system, but at the spinal cord level. And obviously gate control was a starting point. Uh, and we, you know, that level has rise from the spinal cord to really being fundamental in the brain itself. And I think that's what they're sort of mentioning there. And, and what, what gate control, and this is all, I think this is fascinating, having I've gone back and reread it a number of times, is that gate control is really good. And it has been bastardized. I mean, it, people who say they're using gate control aren't even using gate control theory. Um, but gate control recognized that there was an influence from the brain at the level of spinal cord that either can facilitate or inhibit sensory information coming from the periphery. And so what explained pain is actually doing is putting that message in greater context of the bending picture, but again, reinforcing this idea that your brain has a critical influence on the influence or dampening of peripheral informa sensory information at the level of both the central, uh, at the brain and the spinal cord and the periphery. So. Right, right. We're all one system, but it's again, helped that the gate control was kind of at the tree level and it's kind of expanded to the forest looking at all these things. All these things. Yeah. And gate yeah. control is, is a, is, is not, you, you don't forget gate control. Right. But it, it's part of it. It's part of it. It's not, it's not either or. It has some really important implications. But um, if, you're, if you're stuck there, and as I said, you're more people that are, say that, oh, there's nothing more than gate control. They're not exactly understanding the gate control very well. Um, but you need to kind of grow beyond that. Yeah, it's not either or, it's and. Yeah. Right. So the next misconception is that explained pain was explaining that central sensitization is causing their pain and there are no known cures for central sensitization. However, the more accurate conception is that explained pain is teaching people that their danger transmission system can become very sensitive, which can lead to more danger messages, but it is always the brain that decides whether or not to produce pain. So interestingly your interpretation and meaning of what's going on obviously can influence whether or not that sensitivity ever gets better um any thoughts on that uh other than you know uh we dumbify pain so much particularly in the physician world when it comes to central sensitization it's like oh there's acute pain and that's that's no susceptive pain pus and then we have central sensitization and somehow that explains all of persistent pain or chronic pain and that's brain pain pus and you can't get better we know you can't get better um so that's not even that's not even a misconception about explained pain that's a misconception about pain period uh, yeah. there is a so, big problem in the medical system of uh putting limitations even on 
activity, movement, um, which just limits patients tremendously. Um, that's a big problem. There's well, a lot of reasons for that. And then the semantics between central sensitization is, you know, people use this idea that somehow centralization is a, is a quote unquote disease of chronic pain, but central sensitization can occur in acute scenarios. And in mm -hmm. the initial papers are described, I think it's like three days after an acute injury. So anyway, that's a total manner of semantics because the meaning that you are giving that term central sensitization can be quite harmful. And, it, and you're telling them not only is that false information, but then you're saying that they can't get, that, that there's no cure for this for the false information that you're giving them. What, what are you doing? So yeah, it's another diseaseifying kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's static, can't change. It's not dynamic and that the system somehow can't have any uh, influence on it. Um, and there was one other thing. So if you were to tell, so I, I use, and I'm curious to your thoughts here. Um, if someone said peripheral sensitization, I think of like sunburn, you know, yeah. Things or, just yeah. feel more intense when normally it's not peripheral information. Yeah, you know, we can go on these terms. Yeah, yeah. but it can in, they can feed off of each other, or you can have peripheral sensitization. It can lead to central sensitization, but the whole system, regardless of where it is, it can get sensitized in different places, but it also has a capacity to change. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so number one, two, three, four, five, six. Explain pain. This is the misconception that explain pain is reassuring people that the pain they perceive to be there is not really there at all. Although the real, ac more accurate conception is that explain pain is reassuring people that their pain is completely real, even although the tissue may not be in danger. So all pain is real. And just, I'm just going to say that, and you can go off on that if you want. Well, I, I could go off, but I, I. I for me that makes it's funny because there's somehow um people in the pain science community are viewed some by others that somehow we we think that pain is this big illusion and that somehow it's not real and i i would counter that actually people who who have a firm fundamental understanding of the science of pain actually appreciate pain and believe it is more real mm -hmm. than the peripheral people do because they're the ones that are out there judging and viewing what's legitimate and if this is real pain or unreal pain or, or whatever in, in word, basically it's pain. All you have to do is ask the person, are they saying it, it's pain and it's pain period. That's what it is. Right. And, and uh, so it's just, it's just funny because it's like this projection. Well, you don't think it's real. Well, no, actually I think all pain is real. All pain is real. Um, and the fact yeah. that, yeah anyway it's just it's just well, weird how that happens yeah you know yeah. we don't believe in people when we actually believe all pain is real and that the peripherals who are out there doing the legitimate real physical whatever um are devaluing and and, and are because the flip side of what they're not saying is that that if there's a legitimate pain then they're saying that somebody else has illegitimate pain and i have yet to figure out who has illegitimate pain or whose pain is yeah. fake yeah well that i always like my favorite thing to say is the one thing that many people can probably agree on is that whenever you're in pain, you always believe yourself. But anytime someone else have in pain, we're <laughs> probably the first ones to doubt it. You know, like but, there's, but, there's some doubt. But I would say if you, yeah, I would say if you understand pain, we're the ones who don't doubt. Yes. That's the <laughs> difference. We don't doubt. We totally believe right. that you're experiencing pain. Right. Well, it's like, you know, what are you going to say? Oh, they don't look like they're in love. That's not real love. You know, like, 
like i mean it's it's if it's love to them it's love to them like Mm -hmm. you're not there to judge it it's just that's what it is but you know it's another complex phenomenon of the human experience (laughs) yep absolutely absolutely all right so the next one here we have is that explain pain the misconception that is is that it is a discrete intervention that can be delivered effectively alongside treatments based on a structural pathology model, which is kind of what you're referring to earlier. Open with the pain science. Yes. And then the accurate conception of this would be that explained pain can be effectively provided only under a biopsychosocial paradigm, which integrates treatment of peripheral and central nociceptive drivers, which for the audience essentially means that you have to look at the big picture, the whole patient, and you integrate things that make sense with that situation with various things that drive peripheral changes or central changes or essentially they're talking to each other anyway they're affects the whole system any thoughts on that yeah it's basically you again you don't poke poke people with the pain science and said science is the framework through which you deliver your interventions through and interventions in my I'm, i'm saying is is how you are influencing or impacting another human being, not like you're poking them with a needle or something like that. Um, and and I, I, I think that's really crucial to understand is because if you, you know, that, that structural framework and understanding, it's like saying, if you believe germ theory, you're going to wash your hands, you're going to sterilize your instruments. You're not going to live in fear. You're not going to live. In, you're not going to live in fear of it or, or even worse. You're not going to say, Oh, I believe in germ theory. But then you're not going to wash your left hand because, you know, well, the left hand doesn't need to be washed. Or you're not going to wash your, your, your sterilizer instruments. Maybe you're only sterilizing instruments that you use, you know, on, on, uh, on the leg, but you're not going to sterilize instruments that you use in some other area of the body. I mean, it is completely inconsistent. And it means you're using a words and, you're, and, and you say that you're using a framework, but you don't understand that framework. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I do think that's really clear because there are people who will, who are spouting quote unquote pain science and maybe their verbal use is okay, but then you look at the words that they're saying and then the actions that they're doing and they're completely malaligned. There is no congruency there. Uh, even, you know, here we have, I was talking to somebody the other day and they have, there's a pain clinic that says all their staff is chained and, and explain pain. And yet they're an interventional pain clinic. I'm like, well, how in the hell I mean, you may have read a book or heard something, but it, you're not trained in it because you're delivering you are, your structural framework of understanding. The techniques that you are delivering are not even congruent with that framework of understanding. Um, and you can't. So I guess, and that's what they're referring to that misconception, that somehow you can say you're, you're explaining pain. But if you're explaining pain while you have a 22-gauge needle in your hand and you're going to go and inject a facet joint, sorry, folks, you're, uh, that is not aligned with that structural that 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 strategic understanding and framework and the science that intervention is not aligned with that model right so to dive a little deeper into another misconception is that explained pain relates only to chronic pain not acute pain but the accurate conception would be that explained pain relates to just pain pain period. is pain period period <laughs> and there's a there's a beautiful interview that that Lormer did a couple of years ago i think it was with Wow, the British rheumatology something. I can't remember. I think it was a rheumatological association or whatever. And um, very briefly, he said, he goes, they were, because they were talking about chronic pain. He goes, I think, he goes, I, I hope at some point in the next, I think he said, in the next five to 10 years, 
we're, we're going to see is the conversation is going to stop between acute and chronic, and we're just going to be talking about pain. And um, that is that that is so huge. And, and, and again, if you if you're understanding pain, you're, you're not saying that there's acute pain, and somehow that's fundamentally different from chronic pain. Instead, you're saying that there is simply pain, and there's you know we would talk different constructions of pain, and um, and that dramatically changes what you do with people. Because you can have somebody that has a quote unquote acute scenario and how you treat them though is going to be fundamentally different than somebody else in that acute scenario based on other inputs that are beyond just whether or not the leg is broken. And uh, so that influences your care model across the entire spectrum of care and not relegating into this isolated scenario when we're having pain that has persists over some magical number of three months or longer. Right. Well, I think it's kind of silly. In fact, my, um, in the book I wrote, I kind of regret even referencing the various types of, you know, acute versus chronic and whatnot, because with the perspective I have now, especially after reading Explain Pain in more detail and supercharged and, and just everyone that I've come across to learn more about pain, um, you know, I'd rather not make that distinction because, you know, what are we going to do? Call it a five day pain or a three month pain or a five month pain. Like, I mean, at some point you got to be like, okay, this is ridiculous. It's just pain. And mm -hmm. it's just a matter of timing. And it's still a construction of the way that we've been discussing that there's multiple components that are creating this experience. And whether it's, you just had an acute fracture and a lot of nociception or information coming from sensations and, um, whether you're fearful it's in emotions or your thoughts or your beliefs, like all those things are contributing. So, um, that's the one thing I, I kind of regret putting in there. And that, that's the one thing about us trying to teach, you know, you, you, there's a lot of responsibility. I think, uh, we have just in what we're doing here and trying to share our thoughts, but as clinicians out there, you know, the things that you tell patients, it's, if you don't give more accurate um, updated perceptions of pain with an informed pain perspective, then the hardest thing for us in society is to reverse that bad, bad education, you know? It, uh, yeah, that, and that's, yeah. It, it, nobody's a blank slate and, and trying to change a slate that already has had stuff carved in it pretty deep is mm -hmm. tremendously difficult. But I would, I would say on, on our end is, um, you know, we're all learning. That's the thing is yes. we, we may say something and it may change, but that's good. It means right. we continue to update and revise uh, our information. And so at some point we know I, I, I use terms acute and chronic and all that other crap too. Uh, well, that's and how people understand it. So how, and, 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 yeah. And it's even now was, I'll sometimes use that language depending on the audience. I try to put a caveat on there saying I'm using this because of this audience right. and, and this is, but, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah, anyway. So I don't want you to feel guilty, Dr. Dr. Katie. It's okay. No, that's okay. That's why I need to do a second edition. <laughs> We're of all human. Book. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. yeah the, the updated version. But. Yes, yes. And then maybe I'll have you, uh, you know, peruse it uh, for the audience as well. No, maybe I can uh, write the forward. I would love to do that. Oh, but. yeah. Well, yeah. see, now you've just booked it. You're going to have to do it. <laughs> so you're going to really have to help me uh, make sure that we're both in line, in alignment. Um, so let's see the last one, the finale here. Um, the last misconception is that explain pain throws out biology and biomedical models to focus only on the psychosocial. Oh Lord. Um, we know that's not 
true. Um, the accurate conception is that explained pain is a pragmatic or practical application of the biopsychosocial model of pain, which integrates treatment of peripheral and central nociceptive drivers, or these sensations that people describe, alongside other contributions to pain. What do you think? You want to dive into that or you want me to talk? I think absolutely I agree with this and I will I talk so much I better let you say something otherwise yeah. I well I think I think it's I you know it's hard I have a lot of colleagues who still do pain injections maybe not nearly as numerous as some other people and um it's really hard to make them go through this existential crisis that both you and I have gone through but it's not um, fun that's for it's, sure. It's not fun, and I can understand the battle within that this is what they're taught. They, they really, they, they chew the best of their abilities without this kind of fund of knowledge that, that we've been fortunate to be exposed to or sought out. Um, I can understand how it would be really difficult, and I think some of them try to do the best they can. Um, but I think there's, I think there's a I guess my feeling at this point, and I'm not quite as black and white on it, is that it's the context in which you try to help or try to serve people. And I think it is, yes, understanding, explain, you know, explain pain is a wonderful way to have a good fund of the more recent pain science knowledge so that you deliver things in a way, whether, not necessarily to someone, but your care or your um, suggestions or the things that you do that if it's not that I'm endorsing necessarily that someone does an injection, but I think it's paramount that we treat humans in a way that is humane and considers risks and benefits and acknowledges the limitations of the things that we are doing, not necessarily you and I, but that, that, is, that it's minimized and that they recognize that there are a lot of other things that could help them and they would believe in more if they would give it a try initially. And so this application they're talking about is looking at this big picture of this person's life, all the potential contributors to their pain and integrating types of treatments that address maybe the things that are most relevant for that person. It might be heightened anxiety, a lack of sleep, various ways that they're moving or not moving. And so those are things that, you know, I think ultimately explain pain wants you to have that fund of knowledge so that you, you treat this person in a way that really you'd want to be treated yourself. Um, you know, if you, if you don't want to harm yourself and minimize the harm um, and you want to be empowered. So um, I kind of went on that little tangent because I know there's a lot of people out there that might be watching this that probably do some things to patients but my hope is that they recognize that there are limitations in what they're offering and that they strive to endorse the things that they may not get paid for, but really could help, you know, patients get better. Well, and, and that's a, that's a whole nother topic yep. that, to, to talk about there because really it was the fundamental driver is what you're doing benefiting you or is it actually benefiting your patient? Mm -hmm. And with this misconception, what I often see is people will say, Oh, we'll, you're saying if there's a knife stuck in my leg, then it's all in my head. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, if there's a knife stuck in your leg, then your pain is all on your head, even with a knife stuck in your leg. Well, what about the knife? Well, you're still going to pull out the knife. <laughs> it, you know, you, it's not like if you weren't experiencing pain, would you want to pull the knife out of the leg? Well, yeah, you're, you're never ignoring the bio. 
And, and here's the thing, I'm not anti-injection. What I am is I'm anti-injection when the major therapeutic effect of the injection is not from what you're injecting or the injection itself. So if you are in a scenario where you have a large contribution of peripheral nociceptive information, so like a broken bit, you know, like a rib fracture, let's say, mm -hmm. then it makes sense to diminish that peripheral nociceptive input through an intervention. But if you're having rib, frank, rib pain that's been there for six months and there's no fracture, then delivering an injection, if you're doing a rib block there, it makes absolutely no sense because we know from the data that the main therapeutic effect from for the pain standpoint isn't from the injectate it's not that you're numbing up those nerves per se is the fact you're doing on the central phenomenon where you're actually you've had the belief part about that the people have a trusting relationship in there or you're simply numbing up normal sensory inputs and you're changing that sensation in that area and they're gravitating to now using that new sensation to construct a different experience around and so again, I'm, again, I'm, so I'm, I, what your therapeutic modality should fit the pain fire that you're treating, not your, your, you're going to somehow explain your pain fire in such a way to, to, uh, uh, to support the treatment that you want to give. Right. And, and so that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a very different thing. So again, it's, it's, I'm not anti procedure. I'm anti procedure when they're not, when that's not the major effect of the procedure itself. Right. And, and I, the, and I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and if the knife stuck in, you're like, pull the knife out. I don't care whether or not you're, <laughs> unless it's like, it's a budding, uh, unless it's oh. in the aorta <laughs> yeah, in and case, yeah, if you pull it, it out, then you're going to bleed to death. Yeah. So, just make sure you have large bar access and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, as, as in many things in medicine, it depends. it depends. It's never, it's never, never. And it's never always, it depends. And you know, you want to have a, you know, a good perspective and make sure that you're not missing something major. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll end on that note. Um, you know, I think, I think in general, let me take this off our share here. Uh, here we are back to us. Um, you know, I think these, these ideas of misconceptions, um, you know, were important to point out because people were interpreting things maybe in a way that wasn't helpful. Um, and negating or eliminating or thinking that it's just all pain science only and then that even makes people think that it's in their head in a way that's not what we're saying um but we know that multiple things are important even you know like we said the gate control theory it's one of many parts to the whole system so we need to keep that in mind that we're complex organisms with very um just complex lives and the complex situations and that there's there are many things that can impact pain and when we deliver pain science it's not by injection it's you don't poking them with it you don't poke <laughs> with pain science right in fact it could actually turn people off if you try to force it on people like that well, that's the pain um, science vomit that's you know psv is never you shouldn't do that either oh that's, yeah. a, that's another acronym now for <laughs> the medical field great <laughs> um but in in essence this is this is more hopeful in the way that it's delivered in the sense that it's just a format or a knowledge or a fund of knowledge um, that feel free dr kevin if you want to speak on that but i think that for a lot of people it, it gives hope for for the future and how we are trying to help people with pain especially because unfortunately the opioid so-called crisis or opioid overdose crisis has created more attention towards pain, which hopefully will be the silver lining for delivering better pain care. 
Yeah, and so the, the other part on that is if, for the critics who, who, who have these misconceptions or say these misconceptions or reinforce these misconceptions, the, 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 really the question to ask if that is you or if you find information really challenging or you're gonna say, oh, Dr. Kate, you're an actually idiot or Dr. You know, Kevin, you're a total ass. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know people say that, that's okay. Um, but really the question is, well, why? What is it, how is it threatening you? Why is it that this is so dangerous to your paradigm? And, it, and, there, and again, I'm, all you have to do is questioning it and start examining that critically rather than blindly believing that whatever that we're doing is the right thing and that everybody else is a bunch of idiots. Uh, and, and being able to, to have a little moment where you, you, you do some self-reflective thought and do you, what you think you know, do you actually really know? And why do you really know it? Because um, I know for me, that went right in my fundamental crisis. I can remember coming back in 2000 and when was it? The, I think the back pain guidelines came out in like 2009 or something. And, and um, they're saying, oh, we shouldn't be doing injections. And I was at a conference and everybody, everybody was up in arms saying, I cannot believe these people are saying we shouldn't do injections for, for back pain. They're a bunch of idiots. They're a bunch of hacks. They're all biased and they don't know what we do. And um, rather than actually saying, well, maybe we actually need to, to critically examine the, the research data uh, with, a, with a, an objective eye, not a subjective lens that we're viewing it through. Um, and really we're reacting because that's what we did. That was our livelihood and we felt threatened. And I, it's perfectly understandable. If your belief systems are threatened, they will react. They're designed to do that. But if we're gonna be in a science-driven realm or we're gonna deliver care that is, that is really aligned with the best evidence and data and then deliver that in a way that is, that, that it, it, again, it, it relies on a fundamental scientific method, um, then we have to be willing to actually question those gut reactions that we have rather than just assume that, um, you know, well, that's what they're saying about pain science. And I want to know, well, why are you actually saying that? Are you, is it, and almost always, you're going to find some other kind of self, there's going to be some self-interest. There's going to be, either you're doing a technique that, that isn't aligned with the science. Um, you, you, you feel like you have the magic hands and you're like, I feel so good. And if somehow some, my magic hands go away, that's going to threaten who I see myself because I see myself as the magic hand fixer, or I see myself as the, the, all my injections work except for the people that don't work and then it's their fault you know and um so just again folks just you don't have to change your belief systems but you have to be able to curious curious about your belief systems and be willing to at least challenge them a little bit uh and, and, and sometimes you have to take a deep breath doing it but anyway why are you getting so reactive why is it that 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 you may be uh reacting to these myths i think is really really key I react Absolutely. to them and I can tell you why I react to them, but we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> That's another episode, yeah. Well, um, you want to close us out? I, did I start this one? Or, uh, well, I guess, I okay. Know. I, I don't know. Well, did you start or I start? I think, I don't know. I'll just close it because I didn't close the last one. <laughs> okay. So anyway, this is the end of the episode, folks. Thank you for joining us. Uh, again, Dr. Kevin here and Dr. Melissa Katie, the challenge doctor. Uh, with the Pandora podcast, recognizing that out of that box that Pandora had, the last thing that came out was hope. And so with that, I'll just say stay well, and Dr. Katie. And to more joy. <laughs> All right, everybody, <laughs> see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us today on the Pain Door Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know through a five-star rating on iTunes or your current podcast listening service. And be sure to check out the information and resources available at Pandora.com.